Hello and welcome to the big topic in women's MMA. Frank Posen here along with Schwan Humes. How's it going, Schwan? Not bad at all. How about yourself? Uh, pretty good. We're uh, doing this podcast a little early today because we're going to make the show tonight. For everyone. So but we'll talk about that a little later. Uh, reminder, check out my blog at frankd316.blogspot.com. Uh, and also check out my other podcast, Frank Posen's Big Bad Podcast. I'm going to do one of those tomorrow. Anyway, we're going to start with last Saturday's UFC show. I've uh, got a total of five new UFC videos up on the blog. So be sure to check those out. So let's start with um, Michelle Watterson over uh, uh, Angela Hill by split decision. Didn't we say it might be a split decision? Uh, yes, sir. Okay. So uh, here's a – I'm going to start like this, okay? I thought the turning point of this fight was when uh, Michelle – took Angela down in the third round and basically controlled her for the rest of the round until, you know, that legal up kick at the end of the round. Right. And it wasn't so much that she, you know, uh, was anything like that. It's just that obviously the, the whole, uh, sequence put in Angela's mind that she can't get taken down again. And as a result, she was nowhere near as aggressive for the rest of the fight. And, of course, she got tired, too. But that's, that, I think, besides the point. Um, the way I scored this fight was I uh, gave Angela the first two rounds and uh, Michelle uh, the last three. So 48-47. I'm just going to say how the judges did it. Uh, one judge scored it the same way I did. Uh, judge number two scored it 49-46 for uh, Michelle. He gave Michelle round two as well, which was close enough that it could have gone either way. And the third judge scored it uh, 48-47 for Angela um, as he gave Angela round five. I gave that round to uh, Michelle. Angela did have a little flurry at the end. To me, that's not enough to give it a round. Okay, so let me get your thoughts on this. Well, my thoughts were I felt that this was a, a – a fight on paper, Hill should win. She's bigger, she's stronger, she hits harder. Offensively, she's better skilled. But the good thing about Angela Hill is she she can't fight consistently. Whether it's one to three rounds, whether it's one to five rounds, she's the type of fighter who is going to make a mistake and give you an opportunity to take over the fight. And that's essentially what she did. She was win- she was winning the fight more or less first she two was. rounds. She was able to assert her will in the bully. But once Michelle Watterson switched up. Her techniques, she had no answer. When Michelle Watterson started throwing that sidekick, it's like mm. Hill was totally caught off guard by that. How are you totally caught off guard by a karate stylist using a sidekick? Like, in that, and that's what hurt her energy level. She kept taking that sidekick to the gut. It kind of took her gas away. And then when she got the takedown, Hill, Hill like, had no answer. It's like Hill is great in clinches. She's decent with her takedown defense. But when you put her on her back, she still hasn't shown any improvement as far as her all-around grappling skill. So then from that point on, she's tired. And like she said, she's scared to get taken down. How are you scared yeah. to get taken down by an Adam Witt who's not a wrestler? That just mm-hmm. means there's a hole in your game. And instead of her just admitting that, she's like, well, I guess I have to take people down and hug them. That's not the issue. Yeah, the issue I, is I, I, you couldn't just put that afterwards. I hate it. Yeah, it, it, it's just a cop out. I mean, first, you didn't adjust the sidekicks. That's what set everything up. Two, you got tired. You were winning a fight. You got tired pretty much dominating a fight. 
that's not a good look. And three, the reason you got beat by Waterson is because from that point on, you were scared of being taken down. If you're a mixed mm-hmm. martial arts fighter, I understand you don't want to lose, but you can't be scared of being taken down. If you're basically so scared of being taken down, you can't use your offensive skills, you're in the wrong sport. And that's, that's essentially what happened. The threat of the takedown scared her off. And from that point on, all her holes on the feet started getting exposed. She didn't want to be aggressive. She didn't want to throw combinations. She was waiting too long. She let Michelle Waterson take the initiative on the feet. Michelle Waterson. Yeah. Eric Del Fierro told her Eric Del Fierro told her after round four to start throwing combinations again. And she just did didn't. And I'd, I'd give you the bottom line on her. She's not a MMA fighter. She's a kickboxer. That's all she's good at. She can't beat elite fighters the way she is. She's never beaten anybody who's really better than her. So what's she going to go back and do? She's going to go back and take short notice fights against tomato cans. And is she satisfied with that? I wouldn't be. Well, the thing about it is this was her biggest chance to put a stamp on her career and go on the other side and actually be considered elite. Michelle Waterson was made for her. She's not very durable. She doesn't like getting hit. She's not super physical, and she's not a great offensive striker. On paper, this was really the best chance she had at crossing that bridge, and, and, she, and she failed again. It doesn't seem like she has either the awareness or, or, or just maybe the IQ necessary to do what it takes to win. Because like she said, I was scared of getting taken down again. You're in the wrong sport. Your coach told you what to do. He saw where the fight was going, and you refused to do it because you were scared of being put in a bad position in a sport that's almost guaranteed for you to end up in a bad position. The hugging comment tells me that she just doesn't get it. Hey, okay. Well, there's a lot of fighters who don't get it because a lot of fighters say well, that. She sure as hell doesn't. You know, I mean, and then let's give Michelle credit. She was losing, and she found a way to win. Well, she, she's with the camp she's with. They're, they're not great on technique. They're very good at understanding how the game works and how the sport works and, and figure out a game plan that is going to expose their opponent and put them in a position where the judge, judges are going to favor them. They knew that Angela Hill can't fight at pace. They knew that once she, she got taken down, she'd be scared because Angela Hill's takedown defense has gotten better because she's deathly scared of being taken down. That's why it's gotten so bad. She's scared of it. So they knew that once you put that threat into her and they – I think I think what Greg Jackson wanted her to do was not punish her on the ground, but literally just control her because she's going to exactly. she takes him down again. She's going to be again. To be honest, I don't think they, Michelle Watterson could have held her down for another two rounds, but she put it in her no, mind. No, no. She wanted to put. She wanted to put the 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 the, the thought in her mind. Okay. Yes. In Angela's I mind. Think. Okay, and it worked. Uh, I think, yeah, I think I think that's what the plan was. They put it in her mind. It, I think if Michelle Waterson was being honest and Je- Greg Jackson, her team were being honest, there's no way she holds her down for two more rounds. But once she no, did it for one round, that and, wasn't, Hill, that Angela wasn't, Hill, that was, a, they only, it was only intended to put doubt in Angela's mind. That's all it did. Oh, I, and I, it worked. I agree. But then, but yeah, Angela Hill's like, well, she might do this again. And in reality, there's no way she can do that for two more rounds. There's That's no way. That's right. But now you she know got that, it. I know that. It's just ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. So next, what's next for Mich- for Michelle is a little complicated. Dana White said after the show on Saturday that he's uh, close to setting up uh, Zhang Weili versus um, Rose Namahunas, and uh, the reason for the delays that uh, uh, Zhang uh, has uh, had some surgery uh, 
a while back. So the question is, I don't know who the heck Michelle's supposed to face next because a lot of the fighters are uh, booked right now, uh, the exception being Joanna Radzicek, and I think it's a 50-50 shot that she retires. I don't. Uh, I think if she wanted a rematch with uh, uh, Zhang Weili, she would have got it. But I don't think she wants to fight anymore. I think she, she's been teasing retirement on Instagram for months. And so and, uh, but I'm just waiting for an announcement, I guess. So I don't think we'll see Michelle again until next year, like 2021. Because there's nobody for her to fight right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, the only thing yeah. I was thinking is eventually if they if they if whoever won that, I was thinking maybe they get Revis. If Revis wins her next fight, because it's a little bit more high profile, Watterson's a very high profile fighter. I, I like I said this to you online, I think actually that's a bit of a step down for Amanda. Okay. And it is. But the only not, fighter not the only fighter wise. Yeah, the, the only fighter and the problem is we don't know what her health is like right now is Tatiana Suarez. And uh, I, I don't believe she's ready. So, um, well, well, that, well, that, but that was that was my that was my point. Part of the reason Revis fought Paige Van Zandt is because she knew Van Zandt has a name. Watterson also has a name. As far as is a better mm. fighter, but Watterson has a name. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't see them doing that. I think they'd rather wait to to take on the winner. Of um, it depends who wins that fight. If Carla wins, that's another story. Okay. Uh, now, also on the main card, we had Roxanne Modafferi over Andrea Lee by unanimous decision. This was at flyweight. Now, one thing um, I, I found out is that Andrea Lee is now training at MMA Gold in El Dorado Hills, California, which means she is a teammate to Aspen Ladd, and her coach there is Dave West. And she hasn't been there that long, and I guess at this point, West hasn't really figured her out. But uh, at this point, you know, I don't know what to say about her. I think, uh, uh, as I've said all along, uh, her calling card is sex appeal and charisma, but she's just not much of a fighter, and that's really all there is to it. Give me your thoughts. I don't, on this. I don't think she's awful. I think she just she's been she's been underdeveloped. She has some physical tools, but her stance and the approach she uses undercuts them. And I don't think she's really been developed to have layers of skill she can defend a naked double leg takedown you chain a takedown together she'll fall over she can handle one or two shots you put three four or five you're going to get to her simple things like pressure and aggression overwhelm her and i think mentally she knows what to do but technically i think they've put her in they've had her sparring with lesser athletes most of her career so she's been able to get by framing off girls overwhelming them or moving around now that she's well, facing she, better competition that that's three straight losses man yeah, Three straight but she's, losses. She's, facing, she's facing a better class of athlete and a better class of fighter. Fighters who, who yeah. she's not, I think the people she fought before, she was a better athlete by two or three steps. Now she's on equal leveling. When you've been depending on your strength and your athleticism and that becomes equal, all the holes in your game show up and her game hasn't been developed enough. She hasn't been sparring with girls who put her in spots and keep her there or girls who back her up or walk through her shot. I think she's had a lot of bad habits because she hasn't been getting quality sparring and development. Yeah, so so let me ask you this question because I guess she's been at uh, MMA Gold for a little while now, like not a long time. The question is, is there anything that Dave West can do for her? I think I think you can't. I think one of the main things, like having somebody like an Aspen Lad in there and, and better athlete, it's going to make you force you to develop because you're not going to be able to get to your spots 
or get out of bad spots as easily. And I think, yeah. but the thing is, so when you, you think find Aspen a trader, it takes time. I, I think, think Aspen just having a better class, I think having getting to spar with it would help, or not technically, but just getting used to people who can physically bully you and, and put you in spots you don't want to be in. But that takes time. That's not going to happen overnight. I said like two months ago, she should, she should take six to eight months off, really work on her craft, work on her conditioning, and work on developing a style that has answers when somebody, when the first answer, when the first question isn't able to be answered by her. That she, she hasn't developed that, and she hasn't had to. She needs someone to push her physically and mentally, and I think she, these guys can do it, but it takes time. It's not going to happen overnight, and it's definitely not going to happen if she keeps on taking advice. She needs to take six to eight months and really focus on getting better and having legit answers to what she's doing. Okay. Roxanne won this fight, but it doesn't make me think that, you know, she could be a title contender, you know, especially after the last no. fight where she got beat. I don't no, think so. Uh, all the people, I don't think she has the athleticism. I don't think she has durability. Now, she's, she's good enough and experienced enough. She can catch somebody. She can be opportunistic. But if you look on paper and you look at what she's shown in the cage, she's win one, lose one, win one, lose one. And she always loses to the better athletes nine times out of ten. And she always loses to people who are closer to elite. Uh, yeah, I, I, think the, she, I, mean, I think the fight says more about Andrea than Roxanne. Yeah, Andrea should have won that. I think Andrea should have won that fight. But because she hasn't been developed and she's not ready, uh, Modifier took advantage of her and worked her over and won decisively. But nobody was still impressed by that where you're like, oh, potential title challenge. Everybody's like, that's what Roxy does. She knocks off overhyped, underdeveloped fighters. Okay, next we have Sajara Eubanks winning over Julia Avila by unanimous decision. Now, the thing we saw from Sajara that we haven't seen before from her is takedowns. I've never seen her do that before. And I have an explanation for her. How about that? So she's training yeah, with Mark. She's training with Mark Henry. And who's training over there these days? Well, Ketlin Chikagian for one, but forget about her. I'm referring to Claudia Gadelia. Who the hell could help her with jiu-jitsu other than Claudia Gadelia? Okay. And I think that's what's been happening. She's been uh, – Claudia is – Claudia is an elite fighter with flaws. I'm not going to get into that anymore now. But when it comes to uh, ground groundwork and BJJ, that's where she's elite. Okay. And I think she spent a lot of time with Sajara helping her, who says she's been doing jiu-jitsu for 15 years, but you wouldn't know it by the way she fights, right? So uh, I thought that the takedowns kind of did it. Julia made a lot of mistakes on the ground. It's clear that she's not used to being taken down because she tries to go for submissions from the bottom, when what she really should try and do is get up, okay? The mistakes that she made here, I think, can be easily corrected, and her coach, Seth Norman, I'm sure, took note of it. So I think... Sometimes you ha a fighter has to lose before you can figure out what to fix. And I think that's what we're, we'll see with Julia. I think that uh, Seth Norman, uh, her coach, uh, is aware of what she did wrong, and he'll uh, go about trying to fix it. Uh, I, think, I think you're right about the Claudia thing. In a certain instance, Claudia and Sajara kind of mirror each other. They're both fighters with pretty decent athleticism. But a lot of the issues are cardio-based. They can't fight at pace. Mm -hmm. Claudia has learned to control it by loading up on counter punches and getting takedown. Sajara actually already did the body punching and counter punching. Now she's adding the takedowns to it. Because if you can get someone down and you have a extensive grappling background and maybe they're a little bit wild or sloppy, you can control them. And that's a safety zone. That's a rest zone for you. You can wear them out, lean on them, 
take some of that athleticism away. Now, that's that's good strategy on Shajara and her team's part. For Avia, like you said, that was stupid. I, I don't understand why she was I, – when I watched the fight, I was like, why are you exchanging? Just get back up. If she would have constantly yeah. just pushed her way back up, she would have gassed Shajara, and then she would have overwhelmed her because she almost overwhelmed her in the first round. She basically gave Sajara the fight. Now, mm. I think, you, like you said, you can, you can fix that easily, but it's a mental thing. Avia fights mm. like a bully. She walks through fire, and she engages where you, where you want to engage so she can break your will. Mentally, can she make that shift? Can she start thinking about winning fights and not breaking her opponent? Because Tony Ferguson's a veteran. He still tries to break people. So, so who's to say Avia is going to get out of that habit? Because technically, yeah. I can make adjustments, but mentally, he has to flip the switch. I think it depends on how she, uh, what, what Norman does with her and stuff like that. I, I think what some people uh, make the mistake of sometimes is thinking that a loss is the end of something when actually sometimes it's just the beginning because uh, when some coaches, when they find out uh, what exactly, what flaws the fighter has, sometimes you can't find out during training uh, flaws like that. So once uh, well, her coach knows what her flaws are, then he can go about fixing them if he's a good coach. I don't know enough about him to know what kind of coach he is. She's from Oklahoma City. To, to, be, fair, the, to be fair, though, when we were talking about this fight, I thought Avia would win. But one of the things I kept on harping on is Avia isn't very subtle in her setups. She's not very technical in what she does. And she can easily run into a takedown or run into a counter shot and end up in a bad position. And we don't know if she has the mental capacity at the moment to make the right decision. I said that repeatedly. I knew physically she could just blow Sadara Eubanks off the, off the map, but if she was getting countered and she was getting countered with takedowns, would she make the right move? And she didn't. She started grappling with her instead of just getting back up and beating the hell out of her. So it's like, that, that's, something, that's something I feel you could see in sparring. That's something I think you could see in training. I can watch somebody spar and be like, this, this person's used to being the bully. Once they get yeah. in a bad position, they're going to bully you. They're trying to their way out of it. There's only one thing, and that's when a fighter is winning, you probably don't want to change anything. Well, I guess okay. I can see that. But I, to me personally, I, I, would, I would mention that. I'm like, dude, yeah, this, your pressure is great. Your aggression is great. This is, but you're walking this is in why I say, Yeah, this is why I say sometimes it takes a loss for a fighter to actually improve and become a better fighter. Okay? And that yeah. may be I just, the case I, with I just hope mentally, I hope she gets that. Because we've seen yeah, fighters yeah, losing I mean, it's clear. A, a lot of it is up to how her coach handles it, and we don't know enough about him to know how he will handle it because he's not that well-known. Okay. Um, now, Sajara already has another fight set up for next week. Okay? She's going to fight yeah, uh, Ketlin Vieira. And that ain't an it's easy fight. It's almost the same fight in a lot of ways. It, it, in a <laughs> to lot a of certain ways, extent. it's a similar fight. Yeah. But it's Vera's similar. I better. agree. It's a, it's, I think uh, Ketlin is more developed than uh, Julia. Yes. Okay. Like Very she's true, out of, yeah. like she's out of um, uh, Nova Uniao. And uh, Ketlin has already been uh, taking a role of a, a coach down there because she's been working with, um, what's her face? Uh, Lavinia Souza. Okay. So she's been helping her a lot. Okay, let's go on to the next uh, final fight on this show. Uh, Sabina Mazo beat Justine Kitsch by a rear naked choke, uh, round three. Uh, Justine won the first two rounds, and Sabina needed a finish. 
And she's known for her head kick, so she got a head kick, and then she got a, a rear naked choke. If she hadn't got a finish, she would have lost the fight. And um, my major concern here about Sabina is this business of her getting off to slow starts, okay? This is going to cost her fights. It almost cost her this one. Hello? Yeah, um, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't enamored with the slow start, but a lot of that is because I think mentally she has a flip a switch, but she also knows physically she's a she, she's a step ahead of a lot of these girls. So she knows that in the back of her mm. mind, she can when she flips when she flips that switch, she can turn the corner, and it's a terrible way to think because at some point that's that's going to have diminishing returns. But I think physically yeah. she's like they have to get her. Once I they turn have it to off, get. They have to fix that. It's going to no, cost they, the they do, definitely. I'll against, tell you what, I'll give, like, can I give you an can I give you an example? Yeah. Very well known fighter. She's got elite judo. Okay. And she can do other stuff as well. She punches hard too. Rin Nakai. Okay. That is her Achilles heel, is slow starts. She is she she was in the UFC. She lost both of those fights because she didn't get her act together until uh round three. Okay, and this she's had this problem for years, and her coach, who I think is also her husband, just won't fix it. Okay, so it's a big well, problem. Was, with her. Anytime somebody says something like that, and I, I agree generally, the only reason is you could tell if I, it's like Justine Kish, you've heard in corners, her corner is telling her to do something in the corner, you can overhear them saying, Shane, listen, at a certain point, you could tell yeah. somebody, you can show someone how to execute. Um, and, and I agree, she needs to make these adjustments sooner than later because there's going to be a price to pay for it, but she's going to get further along because her division, I don't think is as competitive at the lower levels. Um, as far but as she wants to get higher up, dialogue, she can't, she wants to get higher up people easily. She'll get into the elite level. That's when she's going to start having problems though. So what about Justine Kish? She's one of the most low IQ fighters I've seen ever. She had all the physical tools, but now they're declining. So the things she got away with three years ago, she can't get away with anymore. She can't just walk through shots. She doesn't pay attention to defense. She thinks she's just going to bully someone and break them down. And she kept them walk, walking into head kicks, walking into strikes. She didn't make any defensive adjustment. And eventually, she just got smoked. That's, the, that's essentially what happened. If she would have shown a modicum of defense or used some feints, she would have she she won this fight. But she didn't. She just kept walking straight in, walking straight in, walking straight in, mm. walking straight in, walking straight in. And then she got blasted and then she got finished. It was a bad loss for her because she hasn't really put a lot of wins together and she's never been active enough to really develop a fan base or, or go on a really impressive run. And it seems like she's hit the limits of her of her physical skill set. I mean, there's still wins she can get. But if you're going to fight that defensively unaware or irresponsibly, pretty much anybody has a chance of getting you out of there. Okay, so that's from Saturday. We had a fight on the Tuesday Night Contender Series. It was uh, at Featherweight. Danielle Wolf uh, beat Tanisha Tennant by unanimous decision. So uh, Danielle Wolf is a, an Olympic boxer. Uh, when the Olympics eliminated her weight class in 2016, she decided to get into MMA. This was her MMA debut. They were claiming during the broadcast that no one would fight her. I mean, she's a big girl. She's five foot eleven. Okay, so they claimed that nobody would fight her. Okay, so finally they so they, she, they decided to give her this shot here at the Tuesday Night Contender Series. The opponent is uh, Tanisha Tennant, 
uh, who uh, is from New York City. Uh, she trains at Budokan. She um, was in Invicta. She won one of those one-night tournaments or whatever the heck it is. It's primarily a striker. Okay, so during the fight, Michael Bisping was suggesting that Tanisha should go for a takedown, and then they told him over his earpiece that, well, she's a kickboxer, so she's not going to do that. And so he clarified his comments, okay? So Danielle won the fight. Uh, it was a close fight, actually, okay? She, she uh, uh, won it 29-28, and Tanisha almost took her out at the end of round two. So uh, some people thought Tanisha won the fight, too. Now, the question isn't who won the fight, because I don't really care. The question is, should she get a contract? Should Danielle get a contract? And I would have said no, okay? And, but Dana White gave her a contract anyway. So let me get your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, he didn't. I don't think he gave it to her based off skill or future potential. He gave it to her based off a need. One, she's, she's attractive. She's in shape. And two, they need people for the featherweight division. So, and this is a, this, this has Q rating. She, she has some crossover potential. I mean, you match her right. You could really put her on a three, four, five win, mm. win streak in the division. I, I think they you don't could have three, four, five right. fight. They don't have three, four, five fighters in the division. You could, you could find something. Dana White will come yeah. up with something. Like, like I said, this is to me. This echoes the Bellator okay. thing they did with Heather Hardy. But at this division, there's not enough talent where you can expose an athlete of Wolf's caliber as easily. It's a little bit harder. Okay. There's not there's not a whole bunch of great grapplers, whole great wrestlers. Even yeah. Tennant, Tennant was a good sh- a striker, but she didn't have the difference was athleticism. She didn't have that explosiveness and that power to really take advantage of her technical skill. Her she's in, also a bantamweight. She had a, she's yeah. also a bantamweight. That's a featherweight. They move people as bantamweight. That's, that's normal. That's not even weird. That's normal. That happens all the time in, in featherweight division. Yeah. So I now, listen, listen that either. I, 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 I would, what I would have done with her is sign her to a developmental deal and send her down to Evicta. That's about the only thing you can do with her. I don't see how she gets better at, in the UFC. You know, I don't think, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think I figure they've got to have some kind of plan to be quite honest. I, I think after seeing how Meg, Megan Anderson burned out, they got to have some kind of plan. They're going to enact on her. I think she's older wow. and she doesn't have much time in the sport. But I feel like you could do some things with her if you moved her appropriately. She just has a lot of work to do. But she's no she's kidding. an okay boxer. She's an okay boxer. She's not great, but she's a good athlete, and she has some, she has an advantage in certain exchanges. So there's things you can do with her. But you're right; they should assign her to a development deal. I don't know what they're going to do with her, but I feel like they have some kind of plan for her. Schwan, she didn't know what the hell she was doing. Well, she didn't know that, what she was that, doing. Well, look look how long she held on. Look how long she held on to that guillotine, for God's sakes. That's ridiculous. I mean, that's true, but we've seen experienced MMA, WMMA fighters do the same thing. Well, I, I, mean, know, I wouldn't have, done, I wouldn't have given gonna, her contract. I, like I said, I would have sent her to Invicta. Uh, no, I, I agree. But I, like I said, I don't believe nobody wanted to fight her. I believe that's a little bit hyped up. But the fact of the matter well, is she I does have too. some talent. She does some athletic talent. She does have some boxing talent. There's something there. I don't know how much, but there is something there. I've seen, I mean, Besh Kohea had an extended career in the UFC. She has less of a pedigree than this girl. So let's not pretend like the women's mm. divisions are just, just a bunch of killers. Let's not, let's not push that lie forward. Well, I'm not doing that, but I'm saying that I'd like to see her go down to Invicta instead. 
That's all. I like you. Yeah, I like you too. Okay. So tonight we have an Invictus show, which is airing tonight at um, 8 p.m. on UFC Fight Pass. There's five matches on the show, and uh, let's just go over them as quickly as we can. Um, first of all, um, the main event is for the vacant Adam Waite championship. It is Ashley Cummins versus Alicia Zapatella. And the reason they put Ashley in this fight, okay, she's lost, I think, two title fights in Invicta. So she's this, this show is in Kansas City. She's from St. Louis. So she's got a lot of fans, a lot of family, in, in, and they're probably going to be at the show, right? And so that's why they give it to her. As a fighter, she's really nothing special. She's, I, I wouldn't put her in a title match at this point. Um, I think Alicia is a better fighter. She trains at uh, Scorpion in Detroit, or in, sorry, in Michigan. And the problem with her is that um, um, that gym tends to partially develop fighters, and then maybe they should go someplace else. Okay. So, but I like her. I like her. I, I don't like Ashley very much at all. And Ashley, by the way, trains at uh, Alliance in San Diego. Yeah, um, this seems like it's a showcase fight for Alicia. She's a better athlete. In a title She's fight? a better wrestler. Yeah. It's the way it seems. I, I don't think Cummins, this is, is a very good, I don't think this is a good, very, very good fight for Cummins. I think they're, they're really putting Alicia in a position to win the title and, and, and move on is what it seems like is happening. Because if Alicia wins, I feel they're going to, the UFC is going to smash, snatch her up in the next three to six months is how I feel about it. I think Cummins is tough. She's got some skills, but on a certain level, they're the same fighter. They want to get takedown. They want to control you, beat you up, maybe submit you, work you over for a decision. Alicia's got the better skill set for that. I haven't seen Cummins be great on the feet. I don't really know that her takedown defense is great either. Now, could she submit Alicia? Yeah. I, I just don't know how likely that is. It seems like they want to. It seems like it's being set up for Alicia to win. That's that's the impression I've gotten. It seems like they want Alicia to win, in my opinion. Okay. The co-main event is at uh, Bantamweight. Wait, wait, one, question. Is... one question. Frank, Frank, one question. What? I mean, do do you do you feel like Cummins should be favored in this? You feel like she's got a better no? Shot I think I think that Shannon Knapp, the owner of Invicta has certain fighters that she really, really, really personally likes. They're friends. And so that's why she gives them title shots. Hmm. Okay. That's why I, I feel similar. I do feel similar. It's not, it's not a professional way of doing business, but it's how they choose to do it. Yeah, that, that's what I think. I don't think she should get a title shot. I think that she's really, really, really a good friend of Shannon Knapp's. How about that? Yeah, makes sense. Just is um, at bantamweight. It is Lisa Versosa versus Raquel Canudo. Uh, Raquel is the former Raquel Paaluhi. Uh, she hasn't fought in Invicta, I think, in three years. So. I mean, Lisa, I expect to win this fight. I'm not even going to comment anymore on that. Raquel's not a good fighter, in my opinion. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think Raquel's great, but I, I've watched some of Lisa. Outside of being tough and willing to exchange, she, see, she has other skills. It's like she doesn't really use them, and she hasn't really faced really good competition, to be honest. I know Raquel hasn't beaten really good competition, 
but the the girls she's beaten are well w- way better than who Lisa's beaten, and the girls she's lost to in fairly competitive losses are way better than the girls that um the Lisa's lost to as well. So it's like Lisa should win this fight. That's the girl they want to win. She should be able to phys- physically manhandle her. But Raquel is very good at transitioning off of strikes into takedown attempts and submission attempts. So if Lisa gets too aggressive or she gets tired, I feel Raquel could snatch the submission. She could be opportunistic. I don't expect that to happen, but I think this is a dangerous fight for Lisa because she hasn't really faced anybody who's, who, who's really capable of finishing her in the way that Raquel can. I, I just think there's a gap in their grappling. And Lisa doesn't fight really smart. Her fights are really, really plays to her opponent's strength. It, it's kind of a miracle she's won some of the fights based on that she doesn't really fight really smart, in my opinion. Disagree with that. I just don't think Kel's very good. That's about it. All right. Next that we have at next one is at strawweight. Two Brazilian Del Boni, Bercio. You know, I don't know how familiar we are with these two. I'm not a fan of either of them. I'm fairly familiar with Bercio. Jessica has been in a couple of fights. Uh, I think she's lost both of them, if I remember correctly. Uh, let me just have a look here. Yeah, she's like one and she's like one and zero oh in Invicta, but she lost her last fight in Shooto Brazil. So actually, one and one, and make it two and one, two and one. Okay, so she's not good. She trains at PRVT. Okay, which is, um, you know, yeah. so she, so she's a teammate of uh, uh, Jessica Andrade. Okay. So we know what kind of style those fighters are. She just isn't as good at it as uh, Jessica. You know, not as good an athlete. Yeah. So uh, now on to the next one at flight, Victoria Leonardo versus Liz Tracy. Uh, you got any thoughts on this one? I'm looking for Victoria to win. This uh, one. Yeah, I'd agree with you. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't seem like a really competitive matchup. It just seems like another fight and they want Victoria to win and they're trying to get her some wins to kind of help her stock and may, maybe help their own cause in, in having a, a fight, fighter develop in their organization. But it doesn't seem like it seems like a pretty easy pick. Okay, and the final fight here, there was two fights. They were both canceled due to uh, COVID nineteen issues. Uh, one of the fighters in that fight, uh, Jennifer Cheng, uh, who's making her Invicta debut, will face Helen Peralta, who has had fights in Invicta, but more recently she's fought for bare knuckle fighting championships. And by the way, this is at a. Um, a uh, catch weight of 120 because Helen just got notified, I think, yesterday about this. Yeah, um, I don't I don't know. I'm not a really big fan of, of Victor Vic putting fights like this on. I, I feel like it does more harm to their legitimacy than anything else. Nothing against the fighters. I just I don't think this is something you should be doing when you're trying to be a feeder system to the UFC. You should have people who are already kind of established, already kind of have an identity as fighters and then build them from there instead of having people come in and, you know, one or two fights or just debuting. I, I'm, I'm just not a big fan of that. Well, to be put in a last-minute situation, so I can kind of understand why they had to do that. 
but anyway, that like I said, that show's on tonight, so I'm, I'll be watching it. We'll talk about it next week. Okay. Now, let's go on to Saturday's show. And on the main card, we have at strawweight, Mackenzie Dern versus Random Marcos. Okay, so Mackenzie told a very funny story in an interview this week. Apparently, she was training at uh, Black House in Los Angeles, and her husband got into an argument or some sort of a fight with the coach. And so now she's uh, gotten it. Huh? Sorry? They said it was like an actual fight. They said yeah, it was apparently. Like an actual fight. Apparently. So she's training now at, uh, she's gone to Jason Perillo, and he is Chris Cyborg's coach. Okay. So um, that's, we that's all know. I, that's a good. Idea. I like that. I like that coaching decision. That's a good, good pick for her. Yeah. Now, Randa, of course, is from Windsor, Ontario, Canada. She trains at Michigan Top Team in Dearmore in Michigan, which a former UFC fighter now fights for Ryzen, um, Darren Crookshank. She's a wrestler. So I expect this fight to go on the ground so, uh, quite a bit. The interesting thing about Randa is since she was on Tough 20, she has alternated wins and losses. Can you believe that? Like she's never won two in a row yeah. or lost two in a row. Okay. Apparently it's the it's only time anyone's ever done it, uh, as much as she has. You know, I don't she, think it's something you want to be known for though as a fighter. No. Uh, her... See, she's a good wrestler. Her problem is she makes mistakes, mental errors, and they just seem to always cost her fights. Um, in this, I mean, I think you would agree with me if you're going to talk about ground game. Mackenzie has probably got the superior ground game, but she also makes mistakes. So we'll just have to see. What do you think? Uh, it's, I mean, two of the better athletes in division and two of the people who, who just – can't consistently get fights to where they want them or keep fights where they want them. Random Marcos always just just enough to lose or just enough to lose competitively against a certain caliber of opponent. And Mackenzie Dern, she's been riding on her athleticism and her size. I mean, she really, I don't even know who Mackenzie Dern is as a fighter. She's not really good at wrestling. She has a hard time taking people down. She doesn't have many, many submission wins. She's more like a brawler who's got some grappling skills. So in theory, Random Marcos should be able to outwork her on the feet and and out hustler and just win win off of that. But ultimately, Random Marcus is going to take her down and try to grapple with her. And I, I think that's going to be where she either makes the fight tougher if she doesn't just outright lose it. Marcos is like a veteran, and she just she still fights like a person who's on her first one or two fights in the UFC. Just a lot of energy, a lot of bad decisions, a lot of overaggression, a lot of wrong strategies. It, it's just it's stunning to me that she's been here this long and she still hasn't really improved from the day she got in here. And I'm just going to assume Dern's getting better, but she's going to need another camp or two before she really picks up on what Perillo's trying to do. Um, it's a 50-50 fight for me. Guess whoever makes the first mistake is going to be the one who wins or loses this. Well, the thing with Rand is – Or the one what, who makes the – Well, the thing with Rand is – The thing with Rand is at one point she went to TriStar in Montreal to train. And she just didn't like it there, so she went back to um, uh, Crookshank. So that's where she's at. Um, okay, at flyweight, yeah, she, she's having improved. Yeah, <laughs> that's the question, I guess. At flyweight, we have Myra Bueno Silva versus Mara Romero Barella. 
And Myra is from Brazil. She was in the Brazilian Contender Series. She won her first fight in the UFC, but she blew out her knee. <laughs> so she came back and she lost the second fight. Uh, I like her better than Mara on this. Mara, uh, she hasn't looked good since she's been training at American Top Team. So give me what you're talking about here. Yeah, Mara just doesn't seem to. It's, it's a common thread with, with the female fighters. When they face a certain caliber of athlete, they just seem to struggle. And that's what Barella seems to do. She faced against people on her level. She can kind of navigate and hold her own. But when a person, she can't physically dominate them or intimidate them, she falls apart. Um, Myra is, to me, the more aggressive fighter, the harder hitter, bigger, stronger, takes a better shot. Her conditioning really isn't great, but she's opportunistic with submissions, and she's she's very committed to doing damage. I don't think Barella can keep her off her, and I don't think she can defensively. I don't think she's good enough. So any spot that she gets put into, I feel like Myra has the option of finishing her. She probably won't, but I feel like she has the option to. She's beaten the better opponent. The one win, the one win that Barella has, the one win that Myra has, Myra beat a better opponent. She was getting dominated, but she still found a way to win. Barella, if she can't control the fight from beginning to end, she makes mistakes, she breaks down, she gets tired, and she eventually loses. And I expect that to happen in this fight. Okay, the third fight is at uh, Bantamweight. It is Sarah Alpar versus Jessica Rose Clark. Uh, Sarah was in the Dana White Contender Series last year. She's from Amarillo, Texas. And like I said, this will be her actual UFC debut. She won her fight in the Contender Series last year. The reason we haven't seen her in so long is they actually set up a fight for her a few months ago. It got canceled. Okay, Jessica Rose Clark, or as we call her, Jessie Jess, is from Australia. Uh, a couple of fights ago, when she uh, fought Jessica I, uh, lost to Jessica I, she suffered a very serious uh, foot injury. So she had surgery for that. So really, she's kind of, she's had one fight since then that she lost, and she's really just coming back from that. Uh, she is training at um, uh, CSA, Combat Sports Academy in California. That's uh, Kieran Fitzgibbon. Um, so uh, should Jessica even be fighting in the first place? Because let's face it, uh, that was a bad injury. Um, I'm assuming she's recovered 100%. I mean, combat sports are a tough sport. I would assume that she knows best, and she wouldn't put herself into a situation where she could be re-injured in a job that doesn't pay that much and doesn't cover a lot as far as, you know, if you, you get injured outside of actually fighting. So I'm going to assume she's 100% because she's taking the fight. Um, I, I I don't know much about Alpar. I, I'll probably have to favor Jesse Jess just basically on the fact that she's fought in the UFC and she's fought better competition. I'm going to go with the experience. But um, if she's not 100%, um, this, this, is, this is a fight that she could lose and a fight that she loses would pretty much take her out of any, any sort of talks as being a potential contender or future contender at all. You, you can't lose fights like these. So I'm assuming she's 100% prepared to take this fight and to win it. Well, the thing I would say about Sarah is she looked very good in her contender series fight again. Young, uh, she won by rear neck choke in round two. And uh, so, I mean, she looked very good in that. She deserved a contract based on that fight. But again, we haven't seen her actually in the UFC yet. So uh, we'll just have to, to see. And I, but I, I think she'll win this fight. I mean, Shannon... Yeah, Shannon Young got 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 manhandled by 
Lisa Verroza. So I, I don't think a whole lot of chance. I mean, I'm sure it's a good win, but just isn't great. But that's a decided step up from Shannon Young, even on her worst day. We'll see what happens with those. Once again, those fights are on Saturday night on uh, uh, ESPN Plus. And uh, that's about it. you have anything else you want to bring up? We've gone pretty long here, so I'd kind of like to finish up. No, sir. That's perfect. Got through the first, the first take, too. Yeah, about <laughs> that. Okay, so again, uh, don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com and my other podcast, Frank Posen's Big Bad Podcast. If you have any questions or comments for my uh, blog or my podcast, you can leave them in Anchor's voicemail. And if you'd like to subscribe to my podcast, you can do so on Google Podcasts, Anchor, uh, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Enjoy the fights. We'll talk to you later.